Last week, I started a series of messages about living an amazing life. God hasn't called us to live a good life or even to live a great life. He has called us to live an amazing life. And there are two things that make that possible. Last week, we talked about uh, that an amazing life begins by receiving an amazing Savior. Jesus Christ. Life will never be amazing without Jesus. And we talked about what salvation means. That it's more than just becoming a Christian. It's more than just a point in time when you say, yes, I believe in Jesus and I get baptized and now it's all done. Um, Christ died to free us from the penalty of sin. And when we accept him as our Savior, that is accomplished. Our sins are forgiven through the cross of Jesus Christ. But then we spend the rest of our lives being freed from the power of sin. We all know that sin retains its influence over us in some ways. We live in a, a fallen world. We live in a sin-sick world. And sin continues to have influence in our lives. And through God's Spirit, He, he helps us every day to get past that. To overcome that. And then someday when we leave this world behind, we will be free from the very presence of sin. Because in heaven, sin will not have any influence, any presence at all. So that's what we talked about last week. Having an amazing life because we have an amazing Savior. Now, this week I want to take a step farther. An amazing life means not only accepting Jesus as your Savior, but becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And we do that by allowing His Spirit to develop in us certain qualities of life, qualities that epitomize the life of Jesus Christ. He lived the ultimate amazing life. And He calls us to do so as well. In 1 John 1, 6, it says, Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. So the Christian life is a life of following in the footsteps of Jesus, becoming more like Him each day. And we do that by developing certain qualities in our life. So what are they? And how do we get them? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us, I mean, Galatians 5 22 and 23. 
Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the nine qualities that the Holy Spirit seeks to develop in each of us that make us more like Jesus. And they're the basis for an amazing life. So this morning I want to look at the first one. Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now love is a difficult thing to talk about. Because in our culture we have so distorted the meaning of love that it is very difficult for people to understand what the Bible means when it uses the word love. It seems like in our culture, love is equated with feelings and emotions. When someone uh, speaks of their love for someone, they're talking about how they feel about that person. And it's almost as if it's a feeling that can just come over you. I fell in love. Oh, it was love at first sight. You know, it just, it's something that just happened to me. They, they ask a teenage uh, girl to define love. And she said this, Love is a feeling that you feel when you feel like it's a feeling that you've never felt before. That's love. A feeling that you feel when you feel like what you're feeling you've never felt before. <laughs> I want all of you to memorize that. I think next Sunday we have a little, a little test on that. But you see, it's, it's a feeling. It's something that happens. It's something you can fall into. Something you can experience. Something that comes upon you. But the problem with that is... That if love is something that can just come upon you, it can just as easily go away. If love is something you can just fall into, then you can also fall out of it. If it's love at first sight, what happens when you see someone else? See, I think we can understand that's that puts love on shaky ground. When you say love is, is about feelings and emotions. But yet that's how many people experience love. It's always amazing to me that I can have a couple come into my office and they want to get married and you ask them why they want to get married and they say because we love each other. And they stand here in this church and they say that they want to love and honor and cherish each other for richer or poorer and sickness and in health, to love and to cherish uh, till death do they part. And two years later, they're back in my office saying, it's not working. What happened? Well, we, we fell out of love. We're not in love with each other. I don't love her anymore. Well, how did that happen? I don't know. 
And see, what they're really saying to me is, I don't have the same feelings. I'm not experiencing the same emotions that I did when we got married. And that is why we have so much trouble understanding when the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Paul is not asking you to develop these warm, fuzzy feelings about everybody. To have all these emotions about other people. Because that kind of love will never last. In fact, do you know, if love was the, the, all about feelings and emotions, Jesus would never have died on the cross. When the Bible says God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, if love were all about feelings and emotions, God would have said, I can't do it. The feelings I have for my son are greater than the feelings I have for you. But he did it because it's not. Love is not the same as feelings and emotions. When the Bible talks about love, it talks about a love that is based on choice. I love someone because I choose to love them. And because I choose to love them, I choose to act in a way that demonstrates my love. God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, not because He has warm, fuzzy feelings for us, but because He chose to love us. He said, I created them. I created them to be in relationship with me. I've lost them through their disobedience and sin. I'm going to get them back, and I'm going to choose to send my son to do it. It wasn't about feelings. It was a choice backed up by actions. And that's the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. It doesn't have anything to do with how we feel about each other, but it has everything to do with whether or not, in the name of Jesus Christ, I choose to love you. And I choose to act in a way that brings good into your life because I love you. Jesus is the perfect role model for this kind of love. He said, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, we can express love in words, we can express love by giving gifts. We can express love with gestures like a hug. But the most important way you can express love is acts of selfless, sacrificial service for one another. And that's hard. The kind of love that's the fruit of the Spirit is, is the kind of love that rolls up its sleeves, put on its work gloves, and gets involved in the messiness of other people's lives. 
It's the kind of love that hugs the lonely, calms the anxious, assures the fearful, feeds the hungry, tends the sick, visits the lonely, consoles the grieving, and even endures the insufferable. <laughs> that is love. The kind of love that the harder life gets, the stronger it becomes. Regardless of what feelings or emotions may be there. And that's the kind of love that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in your life. That's the fruit of the Spirit that He wants you to have. But you can't just sit back and say, well, if it's a fruit of the Spirit, then let the Holy Spirit do it. If I don't have that kind of love, it's because the Spirit hasn't given it to me yet. It's all on Him. That's not true. On the one hand, our salvation is accomplished by Christ. But on the other hand, we are asked to add our faith to His act of love. It involves a partnership, if you will. And the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. That word diligent means constant and consistent effort. Work. So the fruit of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit working in us, but it's the Holy Spirit working in partnership with us through our constant and consistent effort. You can't just sit back and say, lay it on me, Lord. Let me have that kind of love for people. We have to be out there loving each and every day. Even when we don't feel like it. Even when the person is not very lovable. I mean, think about Jesus. The night before he dies, he's having dinner with the 12 people in the world who matter most to him at that moment. His 12 disciples. He's washing their feet. He's sharing the meal with them. He's expressing his concern for them. He's performing acts of selfless service for them. And yet he knows that before the night is over, one of them is going to betray him to his enemies, and one of them is going to deny he even knows his name. Can we love like that? Can I love somebody who would do that to me? I can. Not because of my feelings or my emotions, but because I know that's the kind of love that God has given me. And if He can love me that way, I can love you that way. It's an amazing thing when we witness someone who loves that way, isn't it? I mean, think of like a Mother Teresa. The thing that made Mother Teresa so special and make her stand out among so many others is because she knew how to love. 
and to love people that nobody else loved. And to make that choice to love and to back up that choice with actions of love. It's an amazing thing to witness someone who can do that. It's an even more amazing thing when that person is you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that through Jesus you've given us the ultimate example of love. And I pray that every day you would help us to allow your spirit to work in us and through us that we will give our best effort to allowing that fruit of love to be developed in our lives. We know it's not easy, Lord, and we know we'll fail often. But every day, remind us that we are loved and allow your love to work through us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Sim. 